Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. neighbor series. I know you're all quiet this morning. Good morning. That's there you go. Good morning. Hey, we want to before we get started um, talking about neighbors. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about Operation Christmas Child. If you are not familiar with this, um, this is an organization that collects these boxes and they ship them all over the world to kids. Um, you're going to get to see a video next week about this, but. It's, this is like the coolest thing a kid gets at Christmas time in some areas of the world. And so our teen group began talking about what they wanted to do this Christmas, and we decided we were going to pack some boxes, right? And a few weeks ago, we had, what, Josh, $9 in our little kitty to, to buy supplies. Well, that will ship one box, but it won't even pack one box. So we came up with something and a little motivation. We're gonna, um, the teens are going to pack 10 boxes. They're committing to pack 10 boxes. They're about halfway there right now with money raised to pack those boxes. And what you put in those boxes is kind of up to you. Every box comes with a little label inside. You get to pick with your family. Are we going to buy for a boy or a girl, 2 to 4, 5 to 9, or 10 to 14 years old? And when you're done packing your box, you're actually going to put your label on the box. But the cool thing about the label is there's a little piece that you get to keep with a little QR code. You get to follow your box. You get to see where it ends up in the world. Super cool, super fun. So we went and packed. You're going to get a video in the mail all about this, or in the email about this. We packed a box. This is what it looks like. This is packed for a two to four year old girl. There's a toothbrush in here and soap and all kinds of little goodies and a doll and a bear and a cup. And this, to some kids, it was interesting. We had a small group at our house a few weeks ago. And after we showed the video, they said, um, they were amazed at how excited the kids got over a shoebox. And I said, they get as excited over a shoebox as you get over a $200 pri- a, a Christmas gift or a, a game system that costs $300 or more. You would think that this costs that to a child in some areas of the world. And so they were challenged at that, thinking, wow, I ask for some really expensive gifts. So our challenge is this. We have 50 boxes. If we wanted to fill all 50, that's amazing. We would like to fill 25 boxes as a church this year. There are boxes on the table in the foyer. If we run out, we have more. We just put together um, a few of those today. Take some boxes. Take a box with your family, maybe two, and fill it up. 
we ask that you give $9 to help pay for shipping for this box because we want to make sure that these get to where they're going, but it helps them get these all over the world, okay? So Operation Christmas Child, there's boxes in the foyer, one packed already. The teens are packing 10 more. There's 11 of our church 25. I think we could go over 25, but you know. Okay, well, let's talk this morning. I have been excited about this message for a while. Let me get it open. All right. We're talking about, um, we're talking about Jesus. You know, Jesus became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood, right? And about 18 years ago, this church started. For those of you who don't know that, this church is about 18 years old. Started 18 years ago. Um, Bo, where did it start? What was the first location? Holiday Inn by the Interstate. This church began with a mission of reaching people for the lost. Reaching people who maybe might not feel comfortable walking through the doors of a traditional church for one reason or another. The idea of helping people find Jesus. And that mission has not changed over the years. We are still that church. Our, our heart and our desire is to see people reached for the lost. Several years ago, Pastor Eric um, introduced the idea of For the Neighborhood. And the idea behind that was to reach the one-mile radius of our church, to go into the neighborhoods, to go into the, the businesses and the schools and whatever was in the one-mile radius and make an impact on the lives of the community and on the individuals within that one-mile radius. Jeremy and I love that. In Michigan, we did the same thing. We had a focus on the one-mile radius of our church. With one of our staff members, we physically walked that one. It is a long way to walk a one-mile radius of your church. If you've never done it, try it. It's interesting. We walked it, and we prayed it. And we began to pray, God, what do you want for us here at, in Michigan, it was First Church. What do you want for us at MP Naz? And we began to ask, we bathed the, the mission of the one mile radius in prayer. Well, out of that prayer, God birthed a new ministry. And that ministry began in a school within the one mile radius of that church that our church in Michigan still continues to this day. We were able to go last week and visit with the staff. It was like family reunion walking in there. These ladies and guys are coming in hugging and crying and, oh, we've missed you guys. It was so great to see them, but to know it's still continuing even though we're not there. And so we love the one-mile radius of the church. Over the last few months, uh, we're doing ministry in a time like no other in history, right? Church doesn't look like it has looked like for a lot of us for a long time. Um, the church exists for people to be in community with each other, but because of COVID, that's kind of been altered. And kind of for some of us, it's come to a screeching halt and we're watching through a screen because we can't be here for one reason or another. Can I be honest and tell you this morning, I'm tired of it. I am. I'm not, don't read into that statement. I'm just tired of it. This is not what God intended for us as a church. We have been praying and working to provide community in the midst of mandates and masks for months now. And we'll continue to do so, as long as that's what's required. While the initial statement was for us to be for the neighborhood, um, we began to have some realizations. First of all, very few people who call real life home actually live in the one mile radius of our church. 
Now, that doesn't mean we can't do ministry within the one mile radius. But in a time of COVID, that makes it even harder to do ministry in the one mile radius, right? Very few people in this, in, in even my neighborhood that are, is not in this one mile radius are going to want a stranger walking up to their door saying, hey, you should come to church. They're not very, I'm telling you, I'm on a Facebook page and they'll post on there, some guy's walking around going to door to door, doesn't he know we're in the midst of a pandemic, okay? They're not very open to strangers showing up at their doorstep. Elementary schools where Hobgood, we've ministered at Hobgood in the past, they don't even want parents to come beyond the office door, let alone a church group wanting to volunteer. Makes it hard to minister in the one mile radius, right? Universities, MTSU is on our doorstep, but universities, like most universities, are restricted or closed to outside visitors at this time. Makes it hard to reach that mission field right across the way. So how can we be the neighborhood if we can't be in the neighborhood? It's kind of hard, right? As I was praying about it this summer, God began to lay something on my heart, a, a slightly different idea that's a little bit closer to home to each and every person in this room. And it's the idea of for your neighborhood. One word different. You know, it was for the neighborhood, but now it's for your neighborhood. Some of you, I know there's a couple of you in here that technically live in the same neighborhood, but for the most part, we're all in different neighborhoods on a very wide span of territory. Jeremy and I know we drove it during COVID. It's still COVID, but we drove it. We're all over the place. We are far reaching. And so what if our far reaching goes right to our neighborhood? In this time when we're encouraged to be socially distanced, there's one place where we're not necessarily totally socially distanced. Right next door. The people that we see out the door every day. Some of you, your neighbor might be a mile away, but guess what? They're still your neighbor. And we recognize that during this season, we have a powerful opportunity to share the love of Christ that does not require us to drive across town to be in the one mile radius of the church. It doesn't require us to go very far at all. All it requires us to do is walk out on our front porch, out on our sidewalk, out to the end of the driveway, next door to the neighbor. Some of, okay, what I'm gonna share now in, this, in the next little bit here is, it might seem to you guys like common sense. Some of you hearing this might go, oh, that's common sense, that not, that's not biblical knowledge. But I wanna say this, that sometimes Biblical people forget common sense when sharing the greatest story of hope that the world has ever known. And so there might be some things in here that seem a little too practical for you today. I'm sorry. There's scripture in here too. Sometimes we got to remember common sense. Let's start in the Old Testament this morning. Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Well, that's one way to start. Don't bear a grudge. Don't seek revenge. Love your neighbor as yourself. In order to love our neighbors as, we, as ourselves, we have to do a few things. The first thing we have to do is stop. Psalm 46.10, what's it say? Anybody know? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In order for God to be exalted, we got to stop. We've said this definition before, but being, stop, being still means to stop striving, stop fighting, relax. It means to put your hands down. 
sometimes our hands are up in defense to defend ourselves from the things that come our way in life. And we're saying, just stop. The next thing we have to do, we've got to put aside our excuses. We have, Jeremy and I have talked to people for two decades about loving your neighbor, right? And we have heard a whole lot of excuses. And here's just a few of them. Um, this is number one. I don't have time. I am just too busy to get to know my neighbors. I don't know if I actually like them. Okay. I'm an introvert, and when I get home, I just want my time. But they're, you fill in that blank. God says to love them, but I don't even know what to say to them. It starts with us stopping our rushing to and from and just noticing that they're there. Example, um, over the last few months of COVID, I got to sit through COVID in a boot. So I, it was harder for me to go visit my neighbors because it meant taking my fancy scooter down the street, which I did a couple times, but you can only go so far in that thing. So I remember seeing a neighbor walking up and down the street. She had a walker. She was walking very slow. Some days she had a cane. Most days it was a walker. And I thought, she does not look very old. I wonder what happened. And then for a while, I just found myself, one, my excuse was I'm in a boot. And two, it was I don't have time to go out and talk to her. So a few weeks ago, I literally was in the middle of, I don't even remember, something in the house. And I was like, you know, I saw her walking by. And I was like, I'm just going to walk out there. So I acted like I was getting the mail because I don't want it to look really weird. Like, hey, you're out. Like, I didn't want to freak her out. So I, I walked out to get the mail. And, and she stopped at the end of the driveway. And she was like, how are you? Because she knew my foot was broken, too. And I said, I'm good. How are you doing? Like, what happened? And we, you know, we've learned over the, over the weeks and months that she'd had a stroke. And she's in recovery. And she's, she's staying with her kids. And she gets out every day that it, the weather's good and she walks. She said, some days I can walk with my, my cane, and some days it's with my walker. And she fell and broke her wrist on top of everything. It's just been kind of one thing after another. And so now I get to kind of be her cheerleader, like, ah, oh, way to go out there walking a day. You know, I get to encourage her in that. It just took me stopping, stopping my to-do list in the house and walking out for just a couple of minutes to say to her, hey, what's going on? We don't have to, okay, this is good news for you, right? We don't have to know just what to say. We don't have to sit in our driveway with our Bible ready to open it up and shout it at people. You might freak them out a little bit. Here's another piece of good news, because this is another thing Jeremy and I heard over the years. You do not even have to invite them into your house. Some people are like, I am just not hospitable, and I don't want people in my house. You don't have to. Hang out in your driveway. It's a great place. All of this starts with two letters, a two-letter word. Anybody know what it is? Hi. Hi. There are days where I want to, like, just be quiet. And I, that's unusual, I know. But I, some days that happens. My husband says hello to everyone. I mean, we're in the grocery store. Hi, hi, hi. He, he's like one of the most friendly guys I know. But it starts with two letters, two, one word. Um, we have to set aside our judgments. Sometimes we can jump to conclusions about our neighbors. 
Raise your hand in here and be honest with me if you've ever jumped a conclusion. Now think, you don't, not just in the neighborhood you're in right now. Teens, this can include you because I know that this has happened. Raise your hand if you have ever cast judgment about someone and then found out that you had completely misjudged them. It, might, it, it could be in this room, y'all. We do that, right? We're like, oh, did you see that person that came in today? Like, and we're like, oh, my word. Okay, I'm going to tell you a misjudgment situation. My, I was in middle school. This girl came to school, and she came in, and it was like the wind blew in her, in her path, right? Like, she demanded attention with everything she did. And I was like, I'll be honest, I was threatened by her presence, right? And I was like, I don't like her. And Jeremy, when he first met her, was like, who in the world is this girl? Now, the more I got to know her over the years, I loved her. She became one of my dearest friends, and she's still one of our friends today. She was in our wedding. She and her husband, like, we have been... We've been able to talk with them and meet with them through the years. Um, Jeremy's been able to give running advice here and there. Just random connections that we've continued through the years. But all because I was able to get over a misjudgment of her back in middle school. We can misjudge people. Um, Here's another one. We have to set aside our judgments. That includes praying um, judgment and agenda-free prayers for our neighbors. Okay, now I don't mean, dear God, help that person to realize that they would just be better to live on the other side of town or in a different state. There's a little bit of an agenda there, right? Yeah, some of you are laughing, but some of you are like, I have prayed that prayer. Okay, Um, it does not mean saying, um, dear God, help that person to realize how loud and annoying they are. Praying judgment-free prayers for our neighbors is, first of all, God, give me your eyes for them. God, help them to know who you are because of the way that my family lives. It's turning it around, right? Don't make assumptions like they are blank, so they must blank. I can think of situations throughout the years, even growing up before I left home, where a neighbor would walk in, a neighbor would move in, and and you would hear the neighbors talking. Oh, did you see? They must be there were, you, there's all different kinds. You can, some of you are thinking of situations right now. Our job is to love God and then to love others. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Along with humility, compassion, and kindness, gentleness and patience are indicators to others that our love is more than a feeling. It's an attitude of care and service. Holding a posture of humility helps us to keep the focus on our neighbor and not on ourselves or on our motives for being a good neighbor, right? We're not doing this to get a pat on our shoulder for because, oh, look at me, I was a good neighbor. True humility, this is a Rick Warren quote, true humility is not thinking less of ourselves but thinking of ourselves less. I don't want you to think less of yourselves, but we could all afford to think of ourselves a little bit less. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Look at your neighbor as Christ does. You ready for this? They are created in his image. Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings. This isn't just God created Christy Selvage. This is human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We are created in God's image. So is our neighbor. We are sinners saved by grace. Our neighbor is as well. Um, I, as I thought that through last night, I got to thinking about, okay, our neighbors are created in God's image, right? Our loud neighbor is created in God's image. Our mean neighbor is created in God's image, y'all. Our drunk or high neighbor is created in the image of God. Here's another one. This one's going to be like, ooh. Our neighbor with a political sign that is different than we stand for is still created in the image of God. That's meddling just a little bit right now. Because, man, we get mad at each other over stuff that is foolish right now. We are all created in God's image. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. So how do we do this? How do we get to know our neighbor? We start by asking questions. Here's some of this practical information for you. We learn to be a part of our neighborhood by asking questions in order just to learn. Uh, we mentioned above that people don't know what to say to others. You need to ask questions that draw out their story. And then when you ask, you've got to listen. Listen to them. You don't need a degree to be a disciplined listener and an empathetic questioner. You just need to know who you're talking to and be able to imagine the world through their eyes. Try not to go super deep if you don't know the person, okay? Don't start out like needing their life story. Keep it simple. Remember to be culturally sensitive. Hey, is it okay if I ask you this question? Jeremy and I do that a lot with people. Are you, this may seem like a weird question. Are you okay if I ask this? Most often, people are okay with it. Ask open-ended questions. Sometimes who, what, where, and when can feel like questions of an interrogation. Well, who did you know? Well, where did you go? Well, you can seem like you're interrogating someone, right? How and why help you to go deeper with a person? Ask follow-up questions. If they say something and you want more information, hey, tell me more about that. Sometimes we'll come home and we'll process after we meet a neighbor and we're like, we got to ask them about that. So we'll go back and say, I really was, I'm interested in knowing more about that. Would you tell me more? It's how we got to know our Muslim friend. Tell us more about what it was like growing up. Tell us more about your faith. And we built a really great friendship with her that we still hold long distance today. Ask follow-up questions later. Hey, how did that event go? Did you get that job that you were applying for? How are you healing from that accident or that injury that you had? Okay, so now that you've asked your questions, next you've got to be ready. Why? Because you're going to get all kinds of answers. And you're going to get all kinds of random information. 
create a space for honesty with people. It's easy for us to do the whole um, church thing, right? How you doing today? I'm good. Why? Because we don't think anybody really wants to hear. We do the same thing with our neighbors. I'm good. So oftentimes, I'll ask the question, I did it of Don this morning. John said, I'm good. And I said, are you really, Don? But really, ask that question, are you really doing good? Because sometimes we can, we can give a pat answer to each other just because we, we don't feel like we have time or we don't want to, whatever. And they may say, no, I'm really good. And then you're okay, leave it there. Um, pay attention to their body language. Body language speaks sometimes louder than words, right? Yeah? Someone standing in a circle like this, not looking at you, they're kind of not engaged, right? There's all kinds of things about body language. Um, be aware of your own body language. Leaning into a person when you're talking to them shows that you're interested. Making eye contact shows that they matter. I cannot think of how many times I heard um, from my dad growing up, look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you. I wanted to cry when I looked him in the eyes because I meant I was in trouble if he was saying something like that to me and I couldn't help. I was like, I can't look at you. And he's like, no, make eye contact with me. And I'll do the same thing with my boys or Reagan. Look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you. Because we want to know that we have their attention when we're trying to teach a lesson or discuss something, right? Make eye contact. Here's a huge one. And um, if you know I write blog posts, there's a blog post coming on this one. Put your cell phone away. I'm not always good at this. This is something that God is working on in my own life. But put your cell phone away. Don't even take it outside when you go to talk to your neighbors. Just be present in the moment. Man, that would preach a whole sermon series of its own. Be present in the moment with your family members, with your friends. Put your phone away. Social media doesn't even have to know what we've done. Okay. People won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The same can be true of what we say and how we say it. People won't care what you say or what you ask if they can't get past how you say it. If everything you say is brash, people are not going to be responsive to you. Here's another one. I love this. Um, As long as it's appropriate, a smile helps. So when someone's family member dies, I don't recommend you go up and smile and say, it's going to be okay. Like, that just doesn't fit, right? And that's what I'm saying by as long as it's appropriate. But did you know that a smile can warm your voice? Like, it's, I cannot, I don't, I can't smile and talk to you mad. It just doesn't work. Try and smile and yell at someone. Well, I know maybe don't do that. But seriously, though, a smile helps. Some of us could afford to smile some more. Practice, if nothing else that you take on this week, practice smiling at everyone you see. You might just make somebody's day. You might scare them a little bit because they're not used to seeing you smile, but just just try. Okay, true, they can't see you smile with a mask on. My smart aleck kid over there. Phew. All right, all right. (laughs) Setting matters. Does the setting say, we've been expecting you? Hospitality is about making a place for our neighbors. Whether we're standing on the front porch, coming over for dinner, spending the night. I don't know how many of you have your neighbors spend the night, but um, we want to create physical spaces where someone entering feels comfortable and welcome. This is not unique to our homes, friends. This is our offices, our churches, our businesses, and our schools can give off a vibe that this place is for people, 
or not. I want real life to be a place for people. I want my home to be a place for people. We are actively practicing that. Um, I read a book. I bought another copy. I let someone borrow this, and I went and bought another copy. Okay, this book, if you want to read this book, you're going to hear about it over the next few weeks in our series. It's called The Turquoise Table, Finding Community and Connection in Your Own Front Yard. I love this book. It's so cute. Okay, so I'm going to read you a little story from it. Um, it says, are you sure it's not going to be a problem? I could almost hear my friend's teeth gritting through the phone as she desperately hoped I would agree. Of course not. Truly, it's not that big of a deal. I only half believed hosting a party in my backyard yard on such short notice would be fine. Let me talk to Tony and firm up a few details, but we're good. I hung up the phone and raced through the house to find my husband reclined in a zero-gravity chair working methodically on a spreadsheet. So that party I'm hosting on Sunday with Susie, um, we need to move it here. The plumbing's delayed at their lake house, and their renovations won't be ready in time. That's fine. I was surprised that he was that accommodating, as Tony is an extreme introvert who often disappears in the middle of the party to retreat to his room. A challenge for me, given my gift of hospitality and my willingness to take the dare to open my life and our homes to others. I gestured to our patio. Honey, in case you haven't noticed, we have no backyard furniture. Zilch, nada, except those cheap chairs from two summers ago. There's nothing wrong with those chairs. They're hideous, but that's not the point. I need help. We are having a party here, and I have no place for people to sit and eat barbecue. What kind of barbecue? Tony, Kristen, he said. It's not our biggest, or it's not in our budget to buy expensive backyard furniture. Heading outside, I pace back and forth across the empty brick patio. Think, Kristen, think. You need a place where people can gather comfortably. It needs to be welcoming and practical, and it can't break the bank. Guests shouldn't sit formally, but casually for conversation. I press my fingertips hard into my temples. I don't know that that works, but trying to, help, trying to squeeze an answer out of my cluttered brain. Casual, like a picnic. A picnic table. The thought came quickly, and with resolution, then doubt. Where on earth was I going to get a picnic table on such short notice? October was hardly prime picnic season, even in Austin, Texas. I hurried inside to my laptop and did a quick um, search on Google for picnic tables. Well, how about that? I caught myself thinking out loud. On, at the top of my search screen was a 72-inch southern yellow pine picnic table at Lowe's. I added two tables to my cart, opted for the convenient next day delivery, and clicked order now. Crisis solved. The next morning, a delivery truck pulled to the side of my house. Two burly men came to the front door, and I asked where I, they asked where I wanted them to put the tables. I followed the men outside and saw that they had already unloaded one of the picnic tables to the left in the front yard near the magnolia tree before realizing it might be a good idea to find out exactly where the heavy wooden tables were headed. I stopped abruptly, barely able to catch my breath when I saw the table sitting in my front yard. Oh, I cupped my hands over my mouth, fingertips resting at the tip of my nose just as a prayer, as in prayer and shock. Ma'am, are you okay? The delivery man asked. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I couldn't take my eyes off the picnic table. Where do you want the table? He wiped his brow with a bandana. Right there, I whispered without thinking. Here? So close to the street? Yes. No. I slowly came back to the moment. No, I'm sorry. I need them in the backyard. In that moment, I knew as soon as the party was over, I was going to move the picnic table back to the front yard where it belonged. 
but would the family agree? At dinner the next night, I waited for the right moment to casually bring it up. After the party, what if we put one of the new picnic tables out front under the magnolia tree and used it as a gathering place? A picnic table in the front yard. Our eldest daughter, Anna, seemed intrigued, so I pressed in. Why not? What if this is the way that we're supposed to live as front yard people? Her son, Will, nodded. Way to go, Mom, doing your part and keeping Austin weird. <laughs> he didn't sway me. I barreled on, painting scenarios. What if we moved our afternoon snacks, our bubble blowing, our messy art projects, our barbecue suppers, and all of our backyard activities to the front yard? Could we have lemonade stands? Our youngest, Sarah, smiled eagerly. Yes, baby. It's kind of dull looking now, Anna, an artist, observed. We could paint it, Ellie, our middle daughter, added quickly. Absolutely, something bright and cheery. My heart was racing with their encouragement. I crawled into bed that night, exhausted but hopeful. I snuggled close to Tony and asked him what he thought of the front yard table idea. Reassuringly, he kissed me goodnight. I think you've already made up your mind. I smiled and squeezed his hand. I know it sounds crazy, but I've been waiting for that table all my life. We're going to keep this story going for you to learn what happens with the turquoise table. It just took a simple table being put in the wrong place by a delivery man for her to go, what if I moved my activities that I hide in my backyard to the front yard to be opening, open and inviting and wel welcoming to my neighbors? I'm telling you, I read this book and I'm like, Jeremy, we gotta find a turquoise table, I'm ready. Like, we gotta do this. We don't even have a big yard. I don't even know where I'm gonna put a table, but we gotta do it. You're gonna learn more over the next few weeks about what we've done. One of the things we did one night, I don't have a table yet. We have lawn chairs. We took our lawn chairs and set them at the end of the driveway one night took the kids' stuff down there. We literally sat with our computers on our laps. We met two neighbors who we'd never met before just because they were walking by and we were sitting in the front yard. It works. Important to remember, our neighbors are not supposed to be a statistic that we um, add to the list when we befriend them. They're not a part of a movement or a trend. They're people who need to know Jesus. If a neighbor asks a question, this is important. This is important even at church. If someone asks you a question that you don't know, don't shy away from it. Just say, I don't know, but I'll find out that answer. Honesty matters. Just being present in the midst of that moment of life is what matters. We've had conversations with Sarah about neighbors and around the staff table about our neighbors and how some of us have had moments where we just don't know what to say to people. And we just say, I'm not sure, but I'm right here to listen. Sometimes people need us to listen more than they need the answers. We're going to celebrate this morning by being a part of the table. And then I'll close. Some of the most impactful, earth-shattering, eternity-changing moments in Scripture happen around tables. That's why the people of God have taken hold of Jesus' instructions to gather at the table. Uh, oftentimes, we gather at tables for food to nourish our bodies, but how often do we see our souls being nourished at those tables as well? I've asked Bo and Stephanie to come forward, and they're going to serve you the elements. Um, and I want you just to hold on to it for just a second. Um. I want you to hold these elements in your hand, and I'll take one bow. And I want you to think about these elements. Bread and juice, common elements 
that Jesus transforms into um, gifts of grace. Gifts of his love, his strength, his comfort, his presence uh, that he offers to us. These are elements that pale in comparison to what they represent. Um, A little wafer of something and a little cup of juice. Symbols to us of Christ's body broken and his blood shed for us. And as we gather at the table this morning, we aren't sitting at a table, but just imagine a great banqueting table where we all have space to sit at, and there's extra room for our neighbors to join us at, and we have in our hands the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that was given for us. But you know what? It was not just given that we would consume it and it would end there, but we were given this that we might consume it so that we might give it away. We are to be conduits of this grace that we receive. Fire hoses, if you will. We are not supposed to be uh, those things that dam up the grace of God behind thick barriers. And only a trickle is let out. But we are meant to be fire hoses. But you know, it starts with us having to gather at a table to receive As I continue, I want you to peel back that top clear layer and take that piece of something out. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he gathered with his disciples, a group of misfits, kind of like us. He ate with them. He talked with them. They shared stories of the day and journeys of the week. And afterwards, he took the bread and he passed it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. And remember that he gave this to the one who would betray him. So if Jesus can serve the one who betrayed him, are your neighbors that far gone? that you can't offer grace to them. Lord Jesus, we pray that these elements would be more than just meager um, representations of your immense grace. But Lord, we pray that you would take these elements and transform them by your spirit into the very gifts of grace that we need today. For some, that is healing. For others, it is the reassurance that we're okay. For others, it's a whole list of other things. But Lord Jesus, we pray that today as we gather around your table, that we would take in the very things that we need to be nourished in our faith. God, I think our prayer really is, help us to become that which we eat and drink, that is your body and blood, broken and poured out for a world in need. Lord, may this be true for us and our neighbors. In your name. Take and eat the bread. Then carefully pull back the next layer. Christ's blood 
shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We are a people who have received it maybe tonight or today is your very first time. These elements are not dependent upon you being a member of this church or even a member of a Nazarene church. It is dependent upon you recognizing that you are in desperate need of Jesus. Christ's blood shed for you. Take and drink this in remembrance of him. Lord, we thank you. From the depths of our hearts, we thank you. Funny as I'm sitting there thinking about um, what Ryland said about that you have a mask on, how are they going to see you smiling? But as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about people that I have seen that I can visibly see their eyes smile when they smile. So people can see you smile. Challenges for you this week as we talk about loving our neighbors. Some of you say, I have lived in my neighborhood and I know every neighbor there is, and I believe some of you. I would say this, prayer walk your neighborhood and say, God, which of my neighbors do I need to reach out to this week, even though I know them all? Who needs me? And God, who is it that you want me to meet? Who who could use my influence in their life or my friendship or my listening ear, whatever it is, prayer walk this week. Here's your challenges. Maybe you're by yourself. Sit down with a group of friends. Maybe you're in a family. Do this with your family. Make a list of the things that you do in your backyard as activities. If you don't do backyard activities, maybe you need to start. But as you make that list, I want you to look at those things and go, what could we move to the front yard as a family? Challenge number two, take some time this week to learn the names of your neighbors. If you cannot name the neighbors around you, take some time to learn their names this week. And if you do know them already, take some time to learn something new about them. When we moved into our neighborhood in Michigan, we're dorks, kind of. We literally made a map of our neighborhood with little houses, and we wrote the family names there. Um, but the cool thing that happened is that some of our neighbors learned that we had that. So if they didn't want to be embarrassed for not knowing a neighbor's name, they would call us and say, hey, we had names of houses, too. Like, I'm not even going to tell you. We had names of houses. Like, based on who lived there, we could tell you things about their house. So they'd say, the greenhouse, who lives there? And we'd give them the name. Okay. And then they could go over and talk to the neighbor and have a name. So if you have to, and I will, we are, we're going to do that. I have to list names because I have a hard time remembering names. Um, but write them down. Don't, no, don't, okay, don't walk up to your neighbor and be like, what's your name? I don't recommend doing that, all right? But when you walk away from them, plug it into your phone. And then look over it so that the next time you see them, you can be like, hey, Mary, how's it going? Mary's going to go, you know my name. I chuckle at Zilpha. Um, when we first moved here, Zilpha said the hardly anybody, it's hard to remember her name sometimes or how to pronounce it, right? So I remember when my boys walked in the time after we had dinner at her house, they were like, good morning, Zilpha. And she was like, you know my name. <laughs> Take time to learn somebody's name. It's important. It makes them feel noticed. So let's do our part this week in noticing those are around us. And if you don't live right next door to a neighbor, like you're in a college situation, who, no who needs you to notice them this week? Who on your campus needs you to notice them? 
Who in your church needs you to notice? Who in your friend groups? Who in not in a friend group? I say this to my kids all the time. Who's sitting alone at lunch that needs to be noticed? Who is constantly alone that needs some attention? Maybe it's at your work, same kind of thing. Maybe they're the really grumpy person at work that nobody wants to talk to. Can I challenge you this week? Be Jesus to them. God, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to love our neighbors, wherever our neighbor is, if it's in our our home, in our workplace, in our school, in our church. God, help us to look at people through your eyes. May we see them the way you do. May we know and be reminded that they are created in your image. And God, may you help us as we become for our neighborhoods. May we expand the one-mile radius impact to impact 50 to 60 homes in our surrounding community, 50 to 60 neighborhoods. May you expand our reach beyond what we could ever imagine because we choose to love our neighbors. In your name.